Hello guys, and thanks for joining us for another episode of the Backmarkers F1 Show podcast. Uh, I'm pleased to be joined here by Shaker. Uh, Tyler's not with us for uh, this preview, so we'll catch up with him in our recap of the Monaco Grand Prix. And although we've had quite a couple of uh, boring F1 races in the last couple of weeks, and we were very upset last time out in Barcelona, and you guys heard it in the comments, and it got pretty heated at times, but... We've calmed down a little bit, and, and I'm actually really excited for this race weekend. Um, we had, obviously, the free practice one and two today, so if you guys are watching this on Friday morning, that was yesterday. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this is probably one of the biggest highlights of the year uh, is, is Monaco. Yep. And uh, aside from, obviously, Montreal and Canada, our home race, mm-hmm. it's the crown jewel of, of the calendar. And with the Indy 500 as well this weekend, it's it's a great weekend for racing. So, yeah, I'm, I'm actually pretty excited. Yeah, I mean, sports in general, right? Basketball. Uh, That's right. Game five goes tonight. So Pretty sure Europa League next week, too. Like, final. So, yeah. Yeah, Champions exciting, League slowly after that. Yeah, exciting week of uh, sports in general. Yeah, you'll have a lot to watch, that's for sure, upcoming. And uh, before we get into... So, this will be a little bit different from our usual Grand Prix previews because it obviously is later on in the week. So, with Monaco traditionally doing practices on the Thursday and then they're off on the Friday, we'll kind of just break down the free practice times, look at race pace, qualifying pace, and then just do kind of short predictions and then yep. uh, we'll be on our way already. So uh, we first wanted to kick off the show, though, with uh, kind of on a somber note. Um, we, that's how we started this week, unfortunately. You guys must have heard it, the death of Nicky Lauda. Uh, Ferrari driver, three-time uh, F1 champion, also drove for McLaren as well, BRM, and, and uh, I think another team or so. But you guys know him lately for his involvement with Mercedes. I think he was uh, you know, vice chairman uh, yeah. or, or something like that. But he was a huge voice and one of the huge leaders at Mercedes and one of the reasons why they're so good uh, to this day in Formula One. So we wanted to maybe take a couple of minutes just to kind of pay tribute and, and our respects to him. And I mean, you, you texted me, but I found out r- right around the same time when you mm-hmm. uh, messaged me. And I was like, shit, you know, that that's a, I was really sad, really unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, you, like you said, you still see him around in F1 and obviously still in all the broadcasts and everything. And he's doing stuff on the side as well. So he, he's, he's a huge name who's part of the sport. So it's going to, it's a very, very sad and unfortunate loss. I mean, I know he was getting older, but it's always disappointing to see a legend like that, you know? So, yeah. And, and, I think what you said is right too. It's that word legend kind of gets thrown around yeah. sometimes, but he really was a living yeah. legend. And kind of after after his death, you realize that you you took him for granted a little bit when yeah. he was around in the in the races and in the paddock because you know you you kind of don't realize you only realize when he's gone just the impact that he had and, and the kind of driver that he was and mm-hmm. where his place is in the history of the sport as well. So. And I was reading some things, too, that he had a huge impact on Hamilton joining Mercedes. Yeah. Which I didn't really know too much about. And they were very close. Um, you know, Lewis was excused from media on, on uh, Wednesday, uh, Wednesday morning because of, of his passing. So they had a really good relationship. And he was instrumental in convincing Lewis Hamilton to join Mercedes. Mm-hmm. And obviously that partnership has worked out really, really well. So I think Hamilton owes a lot to, to Nicky Lauda, which is why... Uh, you know, he was he was paying a lot of tribute to him on, on social media throughout the last couple of days. Um, but, yeah, other than that, I mean, obviously he was way past our generation. Mm-hmm. But we saw all the highlights and we heard the stories. And for the younger fans, they probably saw the movie adaptation as well. That was the one with Chris Hemsworth and uh, the other guy, right? Yeah, I don't yeah, know I the, was... the Austrian guy's name. but uh, Yeah, he's uh, I forget his name either, too. But, yeah, he play, he's been in a lot of movies. Good, good movie. Yeah, it's one of the first, like, racing movies I saw in, well... 
that I remember seeing and to get <laughs> that, into. <laughs> that wasn't like really cheap or corny. Uh, yeah, exactly. Do you remember? I don't know if you ever saw the IndyCar one with Sylvester Stallone. No, I didn't. Oh, it was so horrible. <laughs> I mean, Sylvester Stallone, his, uh, he's a great actor in his own right, but I don't see him fitting in an F1 car, first <laughs> of all, or uh, IndyCar, so, you know. Kind of just takes away from it a little bit. Good point. I actually <laughs> never even thought of that. But yeah, it was like it's just at some points they were at like some sort of event and the cars were there and they just like fired up the car and started racing up the streets. And you're like, that would never that happen. That would never happen. Yeah. It takes like nine guys to start a Formula One car. This guy <laughs> just flicked the switch and he was away. So, um, but yeah, and the movie was fairly accurate according to what Lauda said Yeah. Uh, when it was released. So yeah, he was... He was a straight-talking guy, no bullshit kind of guy, mm-hmm. and that's why everybody liked him. And yeah. people, you know, drivers rash share some stories if you had, and they're like, "I can't," just because he was so straight, and mm-hmm. there was no political correctness with him. And yeah. that would probably offend a lot of people if that, you know, stuff came out. But um, that's one of the things that I appreciated the most about him. And I, I wanted to show you guys just some of the tributes from the f- early morning uh, free practice sessions. And you see, Ferrari gave him a tribute on the side of the car. Uh, Mercedes is writing uh, a thank you, Nikki, on, on the nose, and uh, Toro Rosso as well, writing some tributes. But my favorite one out of all is definitely Sebastian Vettel's. It's very old school. It's yep. it's a, it's like a classic uh, Ferrari helmet is what I see. And it's I mean, it's it's well done. I mean, it, there's like you said, he's a very straightforward guy, and this is a very straightforward helmet. Like Yeah, good point. <laughs> Vettel's such a historian of the sport too, and and he does a great job in paying respect to the older generations. Yeah, and yeah, I ju- I just love the helmet design. When I I was wondering if teams would maybe repaint certain areas of the car to pay tribute. Oh, I could totally see it with somebody like him. Like they did uh, did a few things for uh, Race One Thousand, right? And I feel like this is a little more of a bigger deal than I mean, probably at the same level, but it's I would the same say so, le- yeah. same level as uh, Race One Thousand. So I'm, I'm sure they'll they'll do some things for that for sure. Yeah, but the the design was really cool, and and Vettel kind of put it in a unique way. He said, "I just wanted to take him around uh, for his last couple laps oh, uh, in nice. Monaco." So I thought that was touching, and he was actually a guy that wrote uh, Nikki a personal letter when he was in hospital doing his uh, lung transplant. Oh, really? So, yeah, he's. Uh, you hear a lot of these stories from Vettel, and and we criticize him too, and and things like that. But he is one of the really great guys. Yeah, uh, I only criticize his racing. Nothing Correct. Else. Yes, yes. <laughs> we'll make that clear. It was just his spins. That's it. If he didn't spin so much, we would probably say more good things about you. But uh, good for good for Seb and and the rest of the grid as well. So. If you got any uh, maybe personal stories or, or memories of Nicky Lauda, I mean, the only one that I could share is at the 2017 Canadian Grand Prix uh, where we were at the pit wall after the race. And uh, I think it was a race that Hamilton won. And Nicky was there after the podium celebrations, and he just kind of came over and he waved to everybody. But, man, it was amazing. Just, like, the crowds were cheering for him, oh, chanting yeah. his name. And, and it shows how much of a legend he was because a lot of those fans were not even alive when he was racing. And... The impact was felt. People recognize him. That's it. Like you, you see Nicky Lada, and you you can recognize him pretty quickly, just because like like you said, he's such a big name and face in the sport. Like he he's very easy to make out wherever you see him. Yeah, the red cap, that's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and my final thought, just a an interesting quote from him, or or I guess story. It was after he came back from his accident, and obviously you know he was he mm-hmm. had the scars from the burns and everything, and some asshole reporter asked him like oh like how does your wife look at you now that you're ugly and stuff yeah i read this one too. yeah that one and then 
weeks later, maybe even a year later, the same journalist asked him another question, and Nikki was like, I, I remember you. He's like, I, I know you from somewhere. And the reporter's like, no, no, you don't. And he's like, yes, I do. He's like, you're the reporter that asked me what my wife would think of me because I'm ugly now. And he's like, you see this trophy? He's like, go shove it up your ass. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's the type of guy that, that he was. So um, we'll definitely, uh, he'll be missed around in, uh, in the paddock for sure. Um, okay, so getting into free practice. This is new. We don't usually review free practice, no. but <laughs> <laughs> we have time. <laughs> yeah, we we have time, and and this is interesting because uh, we've taken a look at some of the uh, race pace times in FP2, and then also uh, go over FP1. FP1 is always, especially at Monaco, is kind of a discovery session. Uh, mm. The track is very green, very slippery, especially on the first day of running. So teams are just kind of get the grip levels set up as well. But uh, don't read too much into the FP1 times, but we, we take a look at the times now. And the first one that stood out to you was Max uh, yeah. in P2. I mean, he was only, uh, what, a couple hundredths of a second off of uh, Lewis Hamilton. And Mercedes, or, uh, Valtteri Bottas was in third, and then Leclerc uh, was ahead of Vettel. One of the things that stood out to me in FP1 was Hulkenberg and Daniel Ricciardo had a pretty decent session. Yeah. Uh, especially Nico Hulkenberg, who was best of the rest. But uh, that kind of changed later on in FP2, and we'll, we'll take a look at that in a couple of minutes. But Haas, uh, there was an interesting with Haas because they were double black flagged uh, in the practice session. And black flag usually means, you know, you're disqualified. You, you got to come yeah. in immediately and, and you're done out of that session or out of that race. But apparently Haas had lost radio and telemetry communication with the cars. Oh. So they, they actually asked the stewards to black flag them so that they could come into the pits because they had no communication with them. Yeah. So <laughs> David Croft was like, I wonder if they're being black flag. I don't know if you know because their rich energies being sued. Oh, I don't. Over I their know uh, logo. Because their logo is very similar to uh, another bike, uh, like some sort of biking co cycling company. Okay. And they have pretty much the identical logo. Oh. And this company's been around for a lot longer than rich energy. So they've been going on with this lawsuit and everything. And, and David Croft was like, I wonder if they're being black flagged for copyright infringement. He's like, I don't know if that's ever happened before in the history of Formula One. Oh, my God. So, you should say that about Racing Point as well. But, you know. Right? I'm surprised <laughs> nothing has happened yet. I don't know. Maybe they just haven't noticed yet or Target doesn't pay attention to F1. Yeah. But North American people know what we're talking about because it literally is the exact it, same as Target. super similar. It's, it's probably like... Yeah, I, I don't even know. Like, it's almost the exact same thing. It's just a yeah. little a little variation. I mean, different color, and pretty much that's it. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, but maybe we shouldn't talk too much about that, because <laughs> <laughs> then we'll get sued by, by Lawrence. <laughs> um, and then Carlos Sainz had uh, had battery issues. There was a problem with the ERS, and, and he sat out for most of the session, because mm. uh, the Williams actually didn't finish 19th and 20th, so they, they huh. got up a bunch of spots, thanks to Carlos Sainz. <laughs> Um, Kubica had a spin. A lot of drivers had had a couple of moments. He had a spin uh, near Casino Square. Uh, Pierre Gasly had like the biggest moment of all. He, he, I think it was through the swimming pool section. He took way too much curb and then had like a huge kick of oversteer. Ooh! Like he was full lock counter steering and luckily saved the rear end of the car. But it was very very close to being a a, a pretty bad bad crash in FP1, which That's is like. Last thing you want to do, yeah, especially in Monaco as well. You, it's the Monaco is kind of the race you want to show up for because it's 
Yep. I mean, a lot of people are watching this one. It's one of the most popular race events of the year. So. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a lot watched too by you know non F1 fans as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in Canada and, and the U.S., it's shown on main broadcast networks, which usually it's it's not. It's only on you know like say sports channels. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's for sure. And, and like we mentioned before, Verstappen was uh, only about five hundredths of a second off from from Hamilton. And uh, yeah, th- this is really the race, right? Traditionally, Red Bull has had the best car around Monaco. Yeah. Uh, and especially in the turbo hybrid era where Mercedes has dominated with the engine, this has really been one of the only races where Red Bull has had a shot at, at being able to win. And they've mm-hmm. usually, usually been the favorites. I mean, they dominated the sessions last year, but this year they seem uh, a couple steps behind. Mm-hmm. And Mercedes seems like they're, again, setting the pace. Yeah, I mean, they have been, they've been setting the pace all year. But yeah, pretty much. Like, even... Botas is that far behind. He's he's very close, so it could uh, could all change when the race actually happens. And I mean, it's all really going to depend on qualifying. Really, whoever uh, whoever gets P one P P one or P two in qualifying, it's really going to uh, at the end. It's going to be on them to basically finish off the race in that place. Yeah, it really is. I mean. It's not necessarily one on the Saturday, but if conditions are dry, yeah, uh, you know, no pit stop mistakes. If you remember to put the tires out, then yeah, <laughs> you're going to be able to finish the race in, in first, just because it's so hard to overtake. No so. MG UK issues. No, you're, <laughs> yeah. you're golden. You're gold. Well, I guess you can win, win with MG UK issues. Yeah, you could. You could. <laughs> that is like the only place you really can do that. Yeah, but, uh, I don't think Daniel's going to have to worry about that this no. year. Um, and then yeah, other other cars or other drivers that that sort of impressed. Um, you know, the, the Toro Rosso's were, were decent in, in FP1. Um, mm-hmm. They really showed a lot more pace in free practice too, which we'll take a look at. Uh, they, they really were, uh, mostly, mostly Alex Albin was really good in, in free practice too. And uh, yeah, racing points, not looking not very good. Not looking very good. I was just thinking that too, looking at the uh, FP1 times. What's going on with them? I thought this was supposed to be a big step up for them this year. And I mean, Lance, especially for Lance Stroll, if yeah. you're if you're doing shittier than Williams, after and you're the and you're the driver that left Williams, <laughs> yeah. it does not look good, man. Like, yeah, how crazy is that, right? <laughs> Both Williams ahead of Lance Stroll. Yeah, like I, I just don't know, and it's not even like it's like like hundredth of a second. It's almost like a full second. If yeah. you look at it, so I, I didn't see what happened to him. I believe he had some sort of uh, issues either with the car or there was traffic issues, um, because it, it did happen in FP2 to a couple of drivers. But yeah, I'm not sure. Hmm. Obviously, I think they will be ahead of, of, of Williams when it comes qualifying <laughs> and race time. But Strolls again. I think he, this is his eighth uh, going back to Spain. Was his eighth or ninth consecutive Q1 elimination? Oh my God! So pressure's on a little bit for Lance here in Monaco because he hasn't really had the best. I mean, he had a decent start to the year, scored some points. Australia was really good. Bahrain, he had the accident with Grosjean. But the last couple of races hasn't really gone that well for him, and Perez has done a much better job. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of seeing the the difference in skill level and experience there. But he's got to kind of start to get at home with this team and with the car, which he doesn't seem like he understands it completely. But it just seems like Racing Point is struggling with the upgrades and, and where they want to go with this car because... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to, they were really off the pace in Barcelona, and it seems like they're going to struggle again here in Monaco. And uh, looking at the comparisons uh, of the best lap times in Q, or sorry, FP1 of 2019 versus 2018, uh, the biggest, excuse me, the biggest improvers uh, was Haas, who were 1.7 seconds quicker in 2019. 
then Alfa Romeo at uh, 1.1 seconds, and then uh, Ferrari third with uh, they were half tenth quicker in 2019. And interesting to to go down that list and see Red Bull Racing Point, two teams that are slower in FP1 than they were in FP1 of 2018. Now, granted, Red Bull, it's only about three one-hundredths of a second. Yeah. And, you know, there could have been some traffic issues there as well. So ju- just kind of interesting numbers to see which teams have made progressions. And obviously Williams, much farther off. I was going to say, can we get a comparison chart of Monaco and, like, best lap time comparison for the last 10 years and see where Williams is going with this one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like it would go like, here and then just Yeah, down. just downhill completely. Yeah. But... I'd be interested to see that, yeah. It, I mean, it'd be an interesting take. They've been in the sport for a long time, so they they would have an interesting comparison chart chart of even like every race per year. Yeah, it'd be interesting was, to see where the where they stood. So. I was gonna say too, just like every race, to see how bad they're because every race they've been off the pace. Three, yeah, three seconds, two seconds. Yeah. So that that progression would be be interesting to see. So those are the two ones. McLaren made a slight slight improvement. Um, but not by much, only one hundredth of a second. So, I mean, not not the most important stats, but just kind of interesting uh, stats that, that I found on uh, Twitter. I think it was courtesy of uh, Lights Out F1 blog uh, on, on Twitter. So nice. they they usually do that every every race. So it's kind of interesting to compare. But uh, wrapping up on FP1 was my favorite moment of the session, courtesy of of Kimi Raikkonen. And <laughs> we want to play you guys the clip just because it was so funny. And uh, I was telling you about this. So yeah. so let's play the clip first. Jimmy Raikkonen still finding it hard to find a clear lap ahead of his 300th career Grand Prix. <laughs> and so, Kimi Raikkonen basically saying what many teams in the paddock were probably thinking because everybody's confused this throughout the season so far. And funny, oh, I've done it. Yeah, a few times. <laughs> I'm sure we've done it. Yeah, for sure. But it's not just with Racing Point; it's with Alfa Romeo. Yeah, people calling them Sauber still. So I just thought that was so funny. He's like, well, "Whatever the fuck it's called, like Race Force <laughs> India or whatever." He's just in the my pink way. Car. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish he would have said that. <laughs> my favorite was uh, they asked everybody what they what's your favorite thing about Monaco? Like, what do you like about it so much? Kimmy's like, "I don't really like it." He's like, "There's too much people, not enough space." He's like, "I can't wait till the weekend's done." <laughs> <laughs> it's a very Kimmy answer to give, right? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing short of of legendary from from the Iceman. All right, so moving on to FP2, and FP2 is where you can kind of get the more relative pace and the better kind of picture for what the weekend will be in store. And like I said before, a few drivers were running into some traffic issues and tire issues as well, but we got Mercedes one and two. That's been the story of the season so far, and one and two on the top of the timesheets and. You know, it really wasn't close uh, at the top. I think what was the gap here? Uh, seven tenths behind uh, Ferrari and, uh, and and Mercedes. Looks like they've done the most amount of laps this weekend too, with both drivers. They've been really comfortable this weekend. Yeah, yeah like forty-two for Valtteri in the first uh, uh, first one, and then forty-seven for him on the next one. They're close to uh, almost ninety there. Yeah, compared to some of the other guys, which are sitting close to between seventy and eighty. Right. And and Bottas, who ran um, more of the the softer tire, the C5. Yeah. Yeah. He, he ran uh, four sets of that on 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 those stints. But uh, yeah, gap between Vettel uh, and Hamilton seven tenths there. And uh, yeah, Mercedes were able to just be on the pace really quickly, similar to how Red Bull was last year. I mean, they just right away came out early in the session and and were able to put in some really good lap times. 
And that car looks really comfortable. Mercedes has struggled a little bit in, in Monaco in the last couple of years because of the longer wheelbase car, but they seem like in every corner it's bouncing off the curbs just right. Nice. The balance is good, so it's going to be pretty tough to beat them again this weekend. What was Alexander Albon drinking between FP1 and FP2? <laughs> Red Bull. <laughs> Too many Red Bulls. What a great session. Yeah, honestly, like he's up there ahead of Max and Charles Leclerc. Like that is very impressive. Yeah, and, and you know, Max had, had some issues with the car and he, and he didn't get out till later on and then ran into traffic. Uh, Leclerc flat spotted the tire, so he wasn't kind of able to get his best lap in. Mm -hmm. But regardless, I mean, when you look at who he's ahead of, he's still ahead of both Renaults, uh, both Alfa Romeos, and yeah, you split a Red Bull, um, w which is impressive. So yeah, and, and you know, he he had pole last year, I think, uh, in F two. He knows this track very well. It's the first time he's driven in a Formula One car, but very impressive from from the Toro Rosso driver. So it makes you wonder with that battle and the best of the rest. It might be Alex Albon that's going to be... Yeah, you know. and, and Stroll, I would say, with probably the two younger drivers to be... Uh, oh, well, not not in this one, just overall. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I was looking at where Lance Stroll's sitting. I'm like, no, not not this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, he didn't have another good session. And, and just above Lance Stroll, too, looking at the, the timing charts was the two Renaults. Yeah, like it's it's crazy to see like the difference between FP1 and FP2 with with the Renaults and a lot of the other uh, a lot of the other teams in general. Like there there's a huge difference, and you know it's hundreds of a seconds matter so much in Monaco, and it's really gonna come down to that uh, at the at the end of it. So it's amazing just watching the onboards with Ricardo compared to him last year. He was just able to attack the curbs so much, ride the curbs, and then now in the Renault, it's not anywhere close. And they took a big step back. Like, they were decently happy with the car setup in FP1, and then they went out in FP2, and they're like, oh, geez, this is so much worse. Yeah. And the times just completely reflected that. I mean, Hulkenberg and Ricardo, 16th and 17th, and, uh, yeah, they, were, they weren't even close to being anywhere near the pace uh, for the two Renaults. And, uh, yeah, but just talking about Racing Point as well, Sergio Perez not that far ahead in uh, in 15th. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, he was at the same position for FU 1, 2, so almost, right? I think he was 15, 16th. What am I looking yeah, at here? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he was 16th, yeah. I mean, not a great progression. You, If you have a bad FP1, okay, but you want to have a better FP2. A better FP2, exactly. For yeah. sure. Um, and best of the rest seems like it's going to come down to, to three teams, to, to Toro Rosso and, and Alfa Romeo that had a good session uh, Kimi, or sorry, Giovinazzi in P8 and, and Kimi Raikkonen in P9. Mm -hmm. So that was a good session for, for the two Alfa Romeos and the Haases as well. Of course, they had all the, the IT issues in uh, in practice one and they got it resolved and, and Kevin Magnussen up there in, in seventh position and Grosjean just outside the top ten. So Haas has, has made a decent progression from Barcelona till now with, with the updates, which is good. But uh, the, the best of the rest battle is going to be interesting. Because mm -hmm. Alfa Romeo's had some pretty shitty weekends in the last couple races. Yeah. And they, they really need a good haul of points here in Monaco, especially for, for Giovinazzi as well, who hasn't really had the best start to the year. I think Kimmy's going to do really well because he just wants to leave Monaco. Because he just wants to leave. <laughs> so he'll go as fast as possible. Yeah. Yeah. How can you say that about Monaco? <laughs> I, I, that is such a Kimmy thing to yeah, say. Yeah, I mean... When you're from, like, a secluded nation like he is, maybe you don't like a whole bunch of people. Like, I totally see that. But, like, like you said, it's Monaco. It's, yeah. it's the entire vibe of the entire uh, entire city that basically gets you going. So, I don't know. I it's, get it, though. Yeah. 
I still will never forget when he retired, I think in like 05, 06, and didn't go even back to the garage. He just went to his yacht. <laughs> or I don't know if it was his yacht, but it was his friend's yacht. Just like walked across. It's like, yeah, I'm done. Maybe just got it was in the on hot purpose. Tub. <laughs> oh, it definitely was. <laughs> he was not interested in going back to debrief or review with the team. He's like, I'm going on this boat and I'm drinking. <laughs> I wonder if, uh, uh, what do you call it, Max Verstappen and Charles are going to do that because they both live in Monaco as well. I'm pretty sure like all of them mostly Most of them Monaco. do, eh? Yeah. Because, yeah. well, obviously Charles from there. But I remember that Netflix documentary, I think Max was saying he lives there majority yep. of the year, and then he only really goes back to the Netherlands to see family and such. So I think even uh, Paul DeResta, one of the commentators, lives there as well. Oh, really? I was like, I mean, Paul DeResta's made a decent living for himself, but I'm like, damn, what's real estate it, going for? It's, yeah, I mean, it's beautiful. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm sure the place is very expensive, but I mean, if you're... If you're the 20 best drivers in the world, I'm sure it's not a cost. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, what's a condo to Lewis Hamilton? Or, or I'm sure he has multiple across the world. So. Yeah, for sure. And, and actually interesting about Monaco, Leclerc was touching on this, that the, the locals, the, the Monagas people, they're not actually rich. They're, oh, really? They're not like elitist type rich people. They're just kind of normal like every other city would. He, Leclerc said that the reason why it's so expensive is all the foreigners that come in and buy up all the expensive property and the goods. Oh, okay. That would make sense. Yeah. I mean, they're a very small nation on its own, so I can tell totally, you, yeah. yeah I mean, it's bar- I think it's barely a country, really. It's- oh, it's, 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 I think it's just the south, south of France, right? It's just the right south. Right beside Nice, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's very small for what it is, but I mean, it's just, it's it's beautiful. So, I mean, I can see beautiful and it's small, so maybe it costs more to bring stuff in, but... Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that's good point. Yeah, so. Yeah, when I was there in 2016, like, because what's interesting is Monaco is, it's very hilly. So, yeah. you obviously got where the Grand Prix is beside the water, but if you want to go up to where more of the houses are and things like that, like, you got to really go up. It's very steep. Yeah. But we took a walk up afterwards, uh, after the qualifying session, and when you go up farther past the, the harbor front area, like, there's, I mean, the houses are nice, and it's a very, very clean city. Yeah. I mean, there's not, like, a speck of trash or dust anywhere, mm-hmm. but very clean, very modernized, but sort of normal-looking houses. Some are obviously more expensive yeah. than the other. Yeah, I mean, it's also wine country, right? Oh, is, oh yeah, I'm not I, sure. I'm pretty sure. I might be wrong about that, but I thought it was. Uh, maybe. I'm not sure. Yeah, south of France. Yeah, you, you, I could see that. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I could see how, how the local Monegas are probably just... You know, like normal citizens of every other. I'm I'm sure. They don't all have Ferraris and things like that. It's not Dubai. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. (laughs) So interesting because I always thought Monaco was just strictly. Yeah, rich people. Rich people, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. um, But definitely real estate's out of the question for us. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so looking at the race pace, uh, qualifying we know is very, very important. And the times are reflected uh, on the timing sheets are reflected of the qualifying run. So Seems like Mercedes is on for pole position. Max Verstappen, we didn't get a really good read on what Max can do because he didn't get a solid, clean run on, mm-hmm. on the C5 tire because of his issues and then running into traffic. So I'm curious on whether Max Verstappen can snag. I don't think he can snag pole position. Really? Okay. Yeah, just because of some of the, the data I was looking at later on and, and, and the car as well, it doesn't seem like it's as quick as it was last year. Oh, yeah, for And it sure. just seems like the Mercedes is really, really well put together. I think this is going to be a big team challenge to uh, for Red Bull compared to just being more of an individual race. I think this is uh, if Pierre Gasly and Max can kind of work it out. I think I can, I, I think one of them, well, I don't think Pierre Gasly can get a pull, but I think if they play it more as a team, 
kind of thing. I think he can make it. And but Pierre Gasly had a good session in FP2. Yeah. He was fourth. So. Oh yeah, that's true. So it, it it could go it could go either way. But yeah, I mean, he arguably had one of his better sessions, or maybe his best session of the year. But uh, that's what Red Bull needs: is they need yeah. Pierre Gasly to also be able to split the Ferraris. Yeah. And maybe get on on uh, on the podium places. Maybe that's a little optimistic, but certainly in qualifying, if mm-hmm. they can get fourth and fifth ahead of the Ferraris, that would be huge for them. Yeah. Because like we mentioned in the Barcelona recap, it really seems like the battle will be, be between Ferrari and Red Bull now. And yeah. Mercedes are just going to keep pulling They're pulling just going to keep pulling ahead, yeah. Yeah, so Gasly, it's going to be important for him. I, I think this could be a critical weekend going into the, the next couple of races. If he can get that confidence and have a really good result here in Monaco ahead of the Ferraris, mm-hmm. that would do that would do well for him. He, he had a good, uh, good result with the Toro Russell last year. So um, look out for, for Pierre Gasly, hopefully. But uh, the the reason why I'm I'm concerned about well not concerned but I'm I'm skeptical of Red Bull is because F1 uh, if you go to the F1 media Twitter account they released like uh, a report on FP2 so they released the race pace uh, graph yeah and also they do a nice breakdown of the teams in terms of speeds through slow medium fast and straights so mm-hmm. the corners and what was interesting is that Red Bull they have an advantage over Ferrari in slow and medium corners. Oh, really? Okay. When it comes to fast corners, they're about even. So, you know, on Monaco, really the only fast corners after the chicane, uh, I forget exactly what the, the turn is called, but it's a left-hander that's really, really close to the wall. And, and maybe the swimming pool section as well. Uh, and then when you look at the straights, Ferrari has a clear advantage over yeah, both, for sure. Ferrari, or both Mercedes and Red Bull. But Mercedes has an advantage over everybody. Except and, yeah, Ferrari in the in, yeah. the in the straights, so that's why I'm not exactly sure Red Bull will be able to get pole position because Mercedes is really strong yeah. in the slow and medium uh, slow corners. So I, I still think that Max could maybe get himself on the front row if he brings it all together in one lap. Yeah, because Vettel in Spain he had a pretty decent race, and you know all the stuff we talked about with his, with his tire issues and stuff. I don't remember it being there for uh, Spain, right? He. For Vettel or for, for Vettel? Zappen? Sorry, for Vettel. No, uh, right? I think he he kind of fixed a little bit of his issues, even with the updates that they got to their car. Yeah, well, after the first stint, obviously he had the the issues with the flat spot uh, in the tires, but um, th- that'll be critical too, is managing all the all the tires in yeah. this race, which is where strategy might be become a factor and where it might be get interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Ferrari and Red Bull have gone super aggressive. They brought eleven sets of the softs. Yeah, I was looking at that. There is a lot of sets of sets yeah. of tires on this. Yeah, all super soft. So yeah, so it should be interesting. Yeah. So whether that's an uh, an aggressive setup, they said that the C five is similar to last year's Hypersoft, which was the pink sidewall. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know last year that didn't that wasn't a very very good tire in, in terms of the race. For sure, qualifying you got to be on it. But yeah. Yeah, if Verstappen could bring that lap together, I think that maybe he could snag second place. I don't think – I hope I'm wrong. I just don't think pole position is in the cards for, for Red Bull. Uh, I think it might be tight, uh, but I I think, like you said, it's really going to come down to team strategies and stuff like that. Because if, say, Mercedes are leading uh, – Red Bull does the earlier change, they're going to be up ahead, right? So yeah. there's a good advantage for Max to get up there or Gasly to get up there. And it's the same thing with uh, with Ferrari as well. Yep. I think it's really, like you said, going to just come down to team strategy at the end of it. And whoever basically goes first or second in terms of getting their tires changed out is really going to depend on that. Um, 
but yeah, like I don't if with the Mercedes at the pace that they've had this season and the pace that they've held through Monaco uh, in in uh, free practice, I I can really see them obviously nailing the one and two position if nothing like messes up for them. Yeah. Um, and then otherwise, like I don't, I honestly don't know. These aren't my predictions, but I don't, I don't really know who would come in third. So, yeah, yeah, I want it, it to be Charles, but that's just because <laughs> it's his home race. <laughs> I think that was our prediction yeah. at the beginning of the season, right? That yeah. he'd win in in Monaco, which is you know not impossible, but it's not looking likely. Yeah. Um, and just finally wrapping up on on, on the practice side of things, the race pace: Ferrari eight tenths off Mercedes and Red Bull nine tenths off Mercedes. So uh, it's not too too bad, but I mean, yeah, it's I mean, gonna really matter. It's not a direct reflection, right? Obviously, yeah. teams run different setups and, and sort of different practice uh, uh, simulations as well. And in Monaco, traffic is so such a um, a nuisance as well because it's such a short track and it's so narrow as well. So that that comes into play. But just kind of interesting looking at the uh, looking at the data. It does seem like Ferrari and Red Bull are very close to each other. Yeah, and that Mercedes is definitely on another level. So, yeah, I mean. Let's get into uh, our, our, our race predictions. Um, yeah, let's do Tyler's first Tyler's because he's first, not here. Right? Do you have it? Pull it up. Or? Yeah, I think I have it here. Yeah, um, I have it as well. I know he said he's going for a Mercedes one-two. Oh, okay. Actually, Sorry just messaged in the group too. <laughs> did he really? What did he say? Uh, he just asked for my predictions were close to if his predictions were close to us. <laughs> okay. Uh, so he's got. Uh, should I go three-two-one or one-two-three? Sorry. Uh, yeah, go three-two-one. So he's got Max coming in third. Um, Hamilton in second, ooh, and then uh, Valtteri in first. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, but he's he's confident in that Mercedes front low lockout. Yeah. I mean, I can see it. Um, who do you have then to to counter that? Mine's the same as his. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Any changes in the order or? I was thinking about it. I'm like, maybe I should put Hamilton first to be different. <laughs> but, like, uh, mine's pretty much the same yeah. as his, yeah. Uh, you know what? Because going into this weekend and before, certain things changed my opinion. But I, I was going to say that Max was going to win this race. I, I would have said it, too. If uh, before seeing all the uh, the free practice, basically highlights and times, I would have said the same thing. I would have said Max at number one. Yeah. But when... Lauda's death happened. I thought that that would really narrow in the focus of Mercedes and especially yeah. Hamilton. So I was like, I think he'll use this as a great motivator to try and win this race. Yeah. And and he, you know, he's only has two wins in Monaco. Does Lewis Hamilton? So he wants to do better at this track. So my predictions would go P three Valtteri Bottas, okay, Max Verstappen in P two, and then your race winner Lewis Hamilton in first position. Okay, so pretty much the same, just switched yeah. around a little bit. Okay, Hamilton on pole. Uh, he, I predict he'll put in a really good stormer of a lap, one of those classic Lewis Hamilton qualifying laps for mm-hmm. full position. Oh, I, that's exactly how I see it. I think yeah. he's taking. I think he's taking uh, number one in qualifying, and I think he's just gonna do do what he does best. Now, there's a caveat to that though, because there could be some rain on Saturday for qualifying. Ooh, possibly. So Mercedes and Hamilton. I mean, they're good in the rain, but. You don't know what the new regulations. We haven't seen wet conditions yet. No, we haven't. So that could throw in a, a an interesting twist. Who knows what will happen in, in that case? But uh, if it stays dry and if the conditions are good, that's that's my pick for for your race winner. Not another Mercedes one two. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Not have another Mercedes one two. <laughs> 
um, and and Max can get in there for uh, for P two. So yeah, that that's what I'm going with. But, Are we doing dark horses this time? Yeah, hmm, I actually haven't even thought about it yet. But you know what? Going off of free practice too, my dark horse will be Alex Albon. I was I was gonna say the same thing, um, but I think Charles Leclerc gets a shit together for this one. Okay. For the actual for the actual race. Does he finish ahead of Vettel? So he grabs P four. You think? I think he grabs P four. As I know, Vettel's did, did better in free practice too, but uh, I think he I think he pulls it together uh, and comes out because yeah, I, I mean it's his home race. I really want him to be ahead of his teammate. Yeah. I know, I I know it is competition, but it's also not a competition. But I want him to do very well. <laughs> Fair enough, and yeah, like you said, it's his home race. Yeah. He's been dreaming about this since he was a little boy. So mm-hmm. yeah, I I hope he surprises us all and. Hopefully next time when we do the recap, we'll talk about race winner Charles yeah. Leclerc. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I think my also other kind of X factor, or, or maybe other uh, one of the other drivers, will be Kimi Raikkonen. Yeah, I was actually while we were speaking earlier, I was actually thinking the same thing because uh, I could see him come out. I, I can see him show up, and like I said, he just wants to get home, so he, yeah. I could see him show up. <laughs> I think sixth or seventh around there will, yeah. will probably be uh, a good finish for for Alpha. They look like they can be more competitive than they have been the last couple races. I would have made Daniel Ricardo my uh, dark horse if I hadn't seen the free practice time, <laughs> <laughs> or hadn't seen Minareno. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, what a difference a year makes, right? Oh my God, I just. I mean, Haas and Renault were supposed to be direct competition, and right now Haas is leading this race like. I don't think there's any competition between yeah. Haas and uh, Renault, Haas and Renault at the moment. You can't really argue for Renault at all. Right, right. So no, exactly. Yeah. So I mean, it's going to be a really interesting Monaco Grand Prix. Um, we we hope for some action. Last year's race wasn't the most exciting, but obviously it was very dramatic with Ricardo's issues. So yeah. Monaco seems to always provide something unpredictable, whether it's safety cars. It could be rain this year, which would be very interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and like I said, that midfield battle has been so close throughout the year and you put them on a track like Monaco, it could become really crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so really looking forward to that. And, uh, you know, one team that we didn't really touch on, uh, because they had such a shitty week was McLaren. I can't even say it with a straight face. Yeah, I just... Um, they're focused on formula one now because IndyCar just went so well. And, uh, oh, I, <laughs> I do got to say one thing though, before we go about McLaren, I, I do have to appreciate and was very shocked at how honest Zach Brown was mm-hmm. about their mistakes because, I mean, if you guys haven't followed, McLaren failed to qualify for the Indy 500. They were out-qualified by teams that probably don't even have one-eighth the budget that they do. A team that lost their sponsors throughout the week, they mm-hmm. they beat them. I mean, you know, story list goes on and on about the teams not even close to the power of McLaren that out-qualified them. But anyway, when you heard of the issues that McLaren had, the issues stem from not being able to get the car on track because it was painted the wrong color. So it wasn't the right shade of McLaren orange. Um, How do you fuck that up? I, th- complicated. You can find the articles online, uh, guys, and, and read it for yourselves. But you know, another thing was is that they wanted to build their own steering wheel for the car. Then, like two weeks out before the test, they hadn't done it yet. So then they had to buy, you know, steering wheel off the shelf from IndyCar, but they didn't have any. So they didn't even really have a steering wheel ready. <laughs> and then my personal favorites were when they were at the track at Indianapolis, they failed to convert the right metric system for, oh for certain God. measurements. So they used like what you know the European one and not the American one. Yeah. 
And then even on the Saturday or the Saturday going into the Sunday when Alonzo was going into the last shootout on the Sunday, they set up the wrong gear ratios for him. So they had a car that was supposed to run at like 229 miles per hour and only ran like 227 because they had the wrong gear ratios. <laughs> So it was just a comedy of errors at McLaren. I mean, it was it's embarrassing. Uh, yeah, a little bit. More than a little bit, actually. It's, Mega. it's very embarrassing. So that's what I was saying. I was like, man, like I'm surprised this guy's so honest about the mistakes because they're really stupid. Yeah. So I, I'll give credit to, to Zach Brown in that case. But, man, if you're Fernando Alonso, you got to kind of be thinking – I should have just joined Andretti Autosport. Or, or Why another. didn't I just leave McLaren altogether? Seriously, right? <laughs> Fernando, if you're out there, man, how many times are you going to let this team down? Let, oh, let this man. team let you down? Yeah, I mean. it's just it's unfortunate because he's still like he's still a huge part of like any autosport, not just like not just uh, F1, like any kind of motor uh, motorsport. You hear Fernando Alonso's name, so it's just yep. very it's very disappointing to see that happen. And with such a big race event, Monaco and Indy 500, and Fernando not being in either in of them. In either of them, right. So it, it's kind of disappointing. But, I mean, what can you really do but except for change teams? Yeah, <laughs> and paint the car the right color. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't matter. Without Alonso or with Alonso, the Indy 500 does go this Sunday. So I'll be watching that, and uh, it will be very exciting. And for, for the European viewers out there, a lot of people are kind of shitting on IndyCar in the comments, but... You guys got to give IndyCar a chance. It's really a great series, great close racing, and the Indy 500 is arguably the biggest motorsport race of the year. Yeah. Um, and so for the European viewers, it's being shown on Sky Sports. So if you have access to that, definitely check it out after the Monaco Grand Prix. It's it's a crazy race, so should be exciting. But, um, yeah, I think in terms for the race preview, that that's it for us. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. Oh, Fantasy. F1 Fantasy. Do you have it pulled up? I yeah, think we got I do the have standings. it pulled up. I did post it earlier today on our Instagram about the, the latest standings. I think it's I think Makes No Science is in first place, which I, I <laughs> love that, the team name. Is that Firefox? Yeah, it would be Firefox. Yeah. yeah, Makes No Science is in first place with 737 points. And then I know it's Fish Legs. Oh, right. Our <laughs> winner from last year. Yeah, so they've got, uh, they've got 662. Um, and then Warrior in third. India represent <laughs> with 654 points. I'll just do. Do you want me to go through top five? I guess yeah. I'll we'll go. just do top three. Okay, I th- yeah. that was the third one there. So it's close. It's close. Yeah, it's not too bad. I mean, people really got to cop uh, catch up to you. Makes no sense. But yeah, it's you know after that, it's pretty close with everybody else. So yeah, another good midfield battle for our F1 fantasy. Yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll post the the post Monaco standings after that, following our uh, race uh, recap of Monaco. And we'll touch a little bit on the F2 races as well because they uh, they should be really exciting in Monaco as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, Nick DeVries on pole. Of course, uh, by the time this will be released, the first feature race will, uh, will have happened. So uh, excited to recap those races as well. But I think that about does it for us yeah, for the Monaco free practice report breakdown and our preview. Again, guys, thanks for joining us. And uh, be sure to come with us again for our recap podcast of the Monaco Grand Prix. Enjoy these races. It should be a great race weekend. Thanks, guys. Thanks.